Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Greater Alton Church online here. And it's great to be with you today. I'm Tim and I'm just tickled to be with you this morning. Um, we've been talking about in this series about getting our lives back to the way God made it to be, the way he created us to be. Uh, that's why it's called Reset. The other day, you know, my computer was, I was having trouble with it. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't load, you know, download something. So um, I clicked down to the power icon on uh, Windows 10. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> and I noticed when I clicked on that icon, it gave me three choices. It would say sleep, shut down, or restart. And I got to thinking sometimes, you know, my life, our lives, show, start showing signs of trouble. And uh, it's, we notice it because we start acting strange. Uh, we catch our moods swinging. Um, I find myself not as excited about some things as I used to be. I feel my faith is weak. Or I lose my motivation. I lose my reason, my purpose. I just feel like I'm stuck sometimes. You ever felt like that? And, you know, and, and I have these three choices, just like my computer and I've used these before. I've, I've chosen these before. I can ignore it. In other words, I can sleep. And boy, howdy, can I sleep. I'll just ignore it. I'll just sleep through it. Maybe when I wake up, it'll magically be gone or something. But it's not, is it? No, I, I can choose that. And a lot of people do. Uh, but ignoring doesn't make it go away. Or I can shut down emotionally. I can just shut down. I'm just not excited. I don't want to connect with people. I don't want to serve in a ministry, or I don't want to be in a conversation sometimes. And uh, and so I've chosen that before. When things don't seem right, I just shut down and um, shut people out. But that doesn't work either, does it? No, it doesn't work. And then there's that third option. Instead of sleeping or ignoring it or shutting down, I can restart. And, you know, I know that that's kind of cool when you think about it. I can restart. What a good choice we can have. And so whenever you're feeling this way, and maybe you've been feeling this way here lately, where something just, I just feel a little odd, a little strange. Of course, it's not just the pandemic, but it's, it's maybe revealed some things that uh, you have that's going on. Uh, reveals some weaknesses, reveals some emotions that you didn't quite notice before. And um, if you feel this way this morning, if you feel like you know your motivation is kind of uh, waning or your passion for God, your love for God has kind of grown, grown weaker or cold in some ways, I want you to know this morning, I want you to know that God says He wants to help you with this. He wants to help you reset, refocus, uh, recalibrate. He wants to restore what you've lost. And not just get back to normal where it used to be for you, but really the way He always wanted it to be in your life. And He says that can happen. He offers refreshment. He offers restoration if we'll only come to Him. And that's what we've been doing in this series. We've been coming back to the Word of God, looking at what does, what does God say? What does He promise? And I hope you've been encouraged by a lot of the things we've looked at. We've looked at restoring our walk with God. We've looked at restoring God's authority or the Lord's authority in our lives. Uh, we've looked at what happens when um, I lose my drive to serve and uh, resetting my ministry or my hope. When and last week we talked about that. And I want you to know this morning, maybe your passion for God, your love for God, there's just something out of whack about it. I want you to know when you come to God, 
He can help you rekindle that passion, that love. Look what the Bible says here in Matthew 11. Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me and I'll refresh your life. He says, you come to me. Jesus says, "Just I know it's sometimes tough. Just come to me and watch what I can do. I'll refresh you. I'll restore you. I can reset what you've lost. It says in Isaiah 40, verse 31 here, it says, those who wait upon God get fresh strength. And so when I come to God, when I sit at His feet, I listen to Him, when I call out to Him, He uh, restores. He gets me back on track. And He can also rekindle rekindle me emotionally, especially my passion. And that's what today I want to talk about is this idea of rekindling our passion for God. I don't know what you think about, but when I think about the word passion, a couple of words or several words come to mind. For example, another word for passion, passion could be excitement or zeal or enthusiasm. When someone's enthusiastic, I say, man, he's really passionate about that team or about that job. Or you'll hear the word craze. It's the latest craze. Everybody's excited about, in other words, or fervor, even lust. I know a lot of times we think of passion connected to romance or sex, but it's, and it, it is, has that connection, but it's, but it's broader than that. And there's also this word fever. I think of the word fever. And as I looked under synonyms for the word passion, it had listed fever, and I thought, fever, well, could you use that in a sentence? I go, sure. You go, How's it go? It says, hey, I've got a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell, you know, and so, and that's true, you know, it's, it's, passion is, is like a fire. It's, it's like, uh, it's an enthusiastic force in our lives. In Song of Solomon, uh, this is what the Bible says here about passion, because love is as strong as death and passion is as strong as the grave. Its sparks become a flame and it grows to become a great fire. Wow, that's describing this passion, this love, not only between a man and a woman, but this, but this book is also about between God and His people. And this is the kind of love God has. It's so strong. It's like it's death. It's all have its way. It's, it's unyielding. I think that another translation, will, instead of the, we use the word passion, uses the word jealousy. But it's so passionate and so strong, it's jealous of any other lovers in our life. And it's like a fire designed to spread. It grows. It's supposed to grow. Well, I want you to know this morning again that God wants to help you find that because God wants you to have passion. He wants you to have a passion for Him. Look at these two passages in the New Testament. This is during the time when the church is under great persecution. It's, um, it's a tough time for believers. He says, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men. Notice he says, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Do it with enthusiasm. God wants us to have enthusiasm when we serve Him. And here in Romans, look what it says here in verse 11. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward Him, boiling hot. I can't help but think about the passage in Revelation. It says, I'd rather have you be hot or cold, but instead you're luke- uh, be one or the other, not lukewarm. And, so, and, and, it, and it gives you kind of an indication that our passion for God, our love for God, our 
and like passion can go up and down. It can be all over the place. And here he tells us he wants it to be hot, our love to be hot for him. Now, why is my level of enthusiasm so important to the Lord when it comes to him? Well, let me give you four reasons about passion. First, passion lightens my workload. When I think about somebody who worked hard, but it didn't seem to be a problem for him, it's Jacob. If you remember, Jacob was in love with Rachel. And as he talked to Laban, Rachel's father, he says, you know, I want to marry her. And he says, well, Laban says, okay, well, you'll have to work for her for seven years before I'll give you to her. And this is what the Bible says. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. But his, look at this, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. And that's what happens. When you talk, when you look at passionate people, the, the workload, it, it doesn't affect them very much. They don't see how hard it is. They're just enjoying it so much and they're so excited about it. You know, it, 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 the time flies by. Uh, here's the second one. Number two, passion keeps me going. Look at this in Psalm 69, verse 9. It says, My love for you has my heart on fire, David says. He's talking about his love for God. My passion consumes me for your house. And then look how, how much is this, how strong is this passion? Well, look what it does to him when, he's, when he, he's, he's meeting some opposition. He says, nothing will turn me away. Even though I endure all the insults of those who insult you. He says, it just keeps me going. And you know, when you, when you meet somebody who's passionate, who's enthusiastic about something, it's like they can't be stopped. Uh, what uh, other things might get on your your nerves, my nerves, but not on theirs. They just keep forging ahead, and they persevere. Here's another thing that passion is, and it, what it does. Passion will pay any price. You ever been around somebody that's that wanted so, some, something so bad they didn't care how much it cost? They hit buy it now on eBay, or or they're or they're buying a car. They want it so badly. They're so enthusiastic about this. I know people that are so enthusiastic about a person, they'll do anything. They'll do anything. They'll pay the price. Look at what it says here in, in Proverbs 16, 26. It says, the appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them on. Another word, again, for passion is lust or hunger. And when you're passionate about something, no one has to push you because passion is pulling you. It just drives you forward. You have no problem investing time when you're passionate about something or money or energy. No. You're willing to go without sleep. You're willing to go without food and willing to be, put, put, uh, be, to be inconvenienced. It doesn't matter to you. You'll pay the price when you're excited about something. And let me give you the fourth, a fourth thing about passion. It raises the bar. You know, put This is here in Colossians 3. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do, and notice, as though you are doing it for the Lord Himself and not merely others. You know, one of the easiest ways that you can see passion in someone else is to simply look at the quality of their work. See, they're not satisfied with a, well, that's good enough mentality. No. Like Bob Russell in the book, When God Built a Church, they believe this 
They believe if it bears his name, if it bears his name, it deserves my best. And so passion, see, urges them to, to aim higher. And so passionate people, they're not satisfied with just good enough. They're, they're aiming for something higher. They're aiming for excellence. Second Timothy, Paul's talking to, to Timothy here in, in Second Timothy 1. And I noticed something there that Paul is in prison. And when you read the first chapter of 2 Timothy, Paul is trying to reassure Timothy. He's afraid. He's discouraged because his, his mentor, Paul, is in prison. And he's, and he, he's kind of beginning to just shut down. He's, he's beginning to get worried. And Paul has to remind him. He has to remind him to do something that he may not be there to do it for him. He's going to have to do it himself. And look what he says here. He goes, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. He's saying, Timothy, I'm, I know I can't be there and I know you're afraid and I know you're, you kind of draw back and you kind of shut down a little bit. You can't do that. God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, right? He gave us a spirit that's bold, I said, and he's telling, he's telling Timothy, but you, I can't be there sometimes to fan this into flame, the gift that you got when I laid my hands on you there at Lystra. You're going to have to do it yourself. See, sometimes, sometimes rekindling my passion has to come from me. I have to do some things. I can't re- just to depend on everyone else. They help, but I need to be able to do it myself. And, I, and that's one of the things about passion. Let me say this again about passion. One of the things I notice about passion, my passion, and maybe you notice this about yours, is it comes and goes, doesn't it? Sometimes it's just way up there, and then sometimes it's like, what happened? And sometimes in the same day, you know, I've had that happen. And if you were honest, if we could just be honest, don't you find sometimes yourself, think, of your, you know, think about, there's times my passion is... Not as hot. My love for God wanes. I know what happens to me. And, you know, I get discouraged. Um, I get involved in something else. My focus begins to shift. And I just notice here that when Paul is talking about fanning into flame, he's giving this picture to Timothy of like a fire with all these ashes that are on top of it. You know, there's, 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 the coals are there. The fire is there, but it's just not as intense because these ashes, all this stuff is kind of working on smothering the fire. And Paul's saying, Timothy, you know, you still have a love for God, but you've got to fan it into a flame. God wants it to burn like a fire. He wants you to have enthusiasm. Now, it does, now, when I talk about having enthusiasm for God, I'm not talking about somebody that's crazy and wild and jumping up and down. You don't have to be emotionally crazy to be enthusiastic about the Lord. But you must be, He wants you to be enthusiastic. He wants you to have zeal for Him. And I just want you to know, maybe your love for God, your passion, your enthusiasm for the Lord and for the kingdom, maybe for the church, what's going on in the church, what's going on in your life. Maybe it's, you know, a lot of things have kind of piled up like ashes on a fire. Responsibilities, hardships, trouble. Maybe you're going through something and you just go, man, I don't know what to do. 
Well, God says you can rekindle that. There's some things you can do to fan that into flame and, and let it burn once more. Well, how do I do that, Tim? What's, what's God say? How do I rekindle my passion for God? Let me give you four things you can do this morning. Number one, I simply ask God to revive my love. If I find my love starting, to, my intensity, my enthusiasm starting to drop, and I've had this happen to me, again, several times, I just call out to God. I say, God, help me. I just feel like, man, I'm losing my edge. I'm losing my edge. I get tired. Give me a second wind. Give me a fresh wind and fresh fire. You know, it says here in Psalm 61, it says, I call to you when I begin to lose heart. And that's what, that's what, that's what David does. And that's what we should do. When we begin to lose heart, when we begin to lose momentum, when, we get, when the light begins to go out of our eyes and excitement level begins to drop, let's call out to God. It starts there. I call out to God. I say to, I say to Lord, you know, I'm discouraged, Lord. I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm just losing that spark. I just feel like my, I'm losing that spiritual edge. And I feel like shutting down, Lord, but I want to restart. Help me restart. Help me rekindle. I love Psalms 119 here. It says, revive me according to your gracious love. You know, I get love. The love of God that I have for him, that passion for him, I get it from his passion toward me. And David says here, he goes, oh, Lord, revive me with your, your passion for me. And anyway, what will happen? He goes, and I will keep the decrees that you've proclaimed. I'll be able to keep going. I'll be able to persevere. That's the first thing. I ask God to revive my love. Have you done that? Do you need to do that? Why not start there? Here's the second one. I refuel my faith on a regular basis. I know that my love and my, my emotions, my passion, my excitement come from faith. If I want to have greater passion for God, it comes from a growing faith. And that faith has to be fueled. Look at it says again in Romans 12 here. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. I mean, think about it. When the fire runs out, or when the fuel runs out, the fire dies out. And like a fire, my love will keep burning and keep, keep aflame when I keep fueling it. When I continue to stoke my heart with the Scriptures, with the Word of God. The Word of God is the wood that burns my faith, fuels my faith. So I meditate on it. I pray over it. I read it again and again. And I keep that in front of me. You know, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing, I'm finding this out, what I'm hearing just has a big impact on me. Does it have a big impact on you? If I'm watching the news and it's bad news, guess what? It's going to run me down. But when I read the good news, and by the way, when I read the Bible, it's not just good news. It's great news. And it really does motivate you when you're doing that. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 20. He says, the word of God burns in my heart. Let me ask you what's burning in your heart. What burns you up? I'll tell you so what burns me up. Some people burn me up. Things I hear burn me up. Frustrations burn me up. Jeremiah goes, I don't put that in my heart. I don't let that stay in my heart. I put the Word of God in my heart, Tim. It's the fuel that burns in my heart right down to my very bones. In fact, it burns so strong, I can't even keep it inside. It excites me so much. So how, what do I do 
to, to revive and rekindle the passion I have for God. The first thing I do is I ask God, God, would you revive my love? You know, it's, it's waning. Oh, rekindle that fire. You know, and, 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 and then I refuel that, that, that flame. I refuel that faith that I have on a regular basis with the Word of God, with prayer. Number three, I partner with people who are passionate about God. Now, I thought, I, I thought about different ways to say this. I partner with passionate people. Well, you can partner with passionate people, but are they passionate for God? I know lots of people are passionate about politics, passionate about their job, passionate about a hobby, passionate about having a good time. I mean, they are the life of the party, but their passion for God, it's missing. And if you want, if you want God to rekindle the passion in your life, man, it comes from getting around people that are passionate about Him too. Years ago, a little prayer Bible camp. I don't know who it was. I can't remember who it was. Uh, but during the Devo at the fire pit, they had a big pile of wood, bunch of logs burning. And as the, the guy shared about how we need each other, he takes a log with his foot from the fire and kind of kicks it out by itself. And this log is kind of rolls about two feet away. And it's blazing on fire. And as he's talking, I'm, we're all noticing something, that the fire in this log starts to dwindle and slowly starts to die until then it's just smoke. And then the smoke starts slowly dying until there's just a trickle. And as he's talking, he kicks the, he's talking about relationships. He kicks the log back in the fire as if we're not noticing this. And the fire get, it starts up again and it's burning bright again. And then he kicks it, he nudges it back out of his foot and he starts talking about the kind of people that you and I, the kind of friendships we choose. He says, what kind of friends do you have? Do they keep you on fire for the Lord? And are you close enough to believers, to passionate people, so that because you burn together, that they keep you hot? Or do you find, do you get off by yourself? You become a loner. You like, you like being alone. You like doing things all by yourself. And that separation, that distance, that social distance, has created an environment where a fire can't survive. See, I, you and I need passionate people. We need certain kinds of people around us, don't we? If, we're, if, if we want, want our interest and our motivation and our focus to be where, where God wants it to be, it needs to be around people that are like that, that are focused on God, that are excited about God. Um, we need Ecclesiastes 4 type of people. What are you talking about? Well, we, I use that. I've overused the verse. Go look at the verse sometime in Ecclesiastes 4. It says two are better than one. And one of the things it says, it says when someone falls, someone is there to help them up. They're close enough to help them up. And if someone is wanting to stay warm on a cold night, he goes, can they do it alone? And Solomon says, no, but together they can keep each other warm. There's something powerful about teamwork. It helps us not only maintain our passion, but it grows. Look at it says here in Proverbs. The, here's the warning. Look at these warnings here in Proverbs 12. It says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully. You believe that? You agree with that? See, I, that's what God says. Choose. He says, choose your friends carefully. Righteous people do. Foolish people, wicked people, don't care. Righteous people, 
They do. They think about that. I think about all the dynamic duos in the Bible. You know, people like David and Jonathan, right? Yeah, they helped each other. They both were passionate about the Lord, passionate about being, being young men and leadership. I think about Ruth and Naomi, both of them followers of God. Ruth says, wherever you go, I'm going to go. He would, she would not leave her mother-in-law. And they helped one another. Paul and Silas, they're in prison together. They go through good and bad together. And that's not just one that Paul was teamed up with. There was Timothy and Barnabas and Trophimus and Tychicus and all the other T guys, you know, all tons of them. And there's Peter and John. You know, they, they, they're, they're in jail one time. And, and in their excitement, they, 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 they are beaten for Christ, for preaching about Jesus. And they rejoiced over that. And it says the church rejoiced with them. They caught their excitement, their, their enthusiasm, their passion for God. Ask yourself a question this morning. Just be honest. Do my friendships rekindle my passion for God? In fact, uh, just if you think about this, if you if there was if there are dynamic duos in the Bible, by the way, there are some dynamic dodos in the Bible too. What do you mean by that, Tim? Let me give you some Ananias and Sapphira. How'd that work out? Look it up. They just weren't good for one another. Adam and Eve. Look how that worked out. God made them, tailor-made them for each other. And because one wasn't strong when they needed to be and wasn't passionate enough, the other one gets caught up in sin. They, they both get in trouble. You can find these people, these dynamic duos and dynamic dodos. I mean, just they're all over the Bible. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you were to have somebody, list somebody, this is somebody that I have in my life that helps rekindle my passion, who would it be? Do you have anyone like that? See, that's why God made the church. He made the church full of people that we can connect with that are like-minded in the same family that help each other grow. Look what it says here in 2 Corinthians 6. Don't be teamed with those who do not love the Lord. Now look at that close. He said, don't team up. Don't be teamed up. Don't be yoked together. I think one translation says, don't be yet together with unbelievers. Well, unbelievers don't love the Lord, right? He says, don't team up with those who do not love the Lord. Why not? Well, just like passion is contagious, indifference is contagious. I mean, just think about it for a minute. Who do you know that's no longer going to church with you in your small group? Not around you. Because they started partnering with someone who didn't love the Lord. I mean, their passion is in something else now. It's in stuff, in a hobby, in another activity, in a party, but not in the Lord and not with the kingdom anymore. The proverb says this, Some friends are fun to be with, but a true friend can be better than a brother. You know, some friends are really, they can be fun to be with, I agree. But they don't have any faith. And though they're pleasant and fun to be with, and we could say, I had a good time with them. 
They may not be good for me. And why the contrast here in Proverbs? Why does he say some friends can be fun, be fun to be with, but a true friend is like a brother? Why does he make that distinction? Because it's these kind of friends that are in the same family, that have the same values, that have similar values. It's these kind of friends, like I've got two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother, and sometimes my younger brother, when I'm down in the dumps, the Bible says that brother's born for adversity, and I'm convinced that my brother Danny was born for adversity. Man, he, really, he lifts me up. I got friends like that too. And my older brother sometimes, my older brother Mike, he has to kick me in the pants. He has to, he has to let me, he tells me the truth. And I need that too. Are they fun to be with? Yeah. But they're not only, in, they don't just bring enjoyment. They bring encouragement. And so it's really important the kind of friends you choose. And when you partner with passionate people, when you partner with people that are passionate for the Lord, well, it does something. It helps you. When I'm with people who love God and are excited about God, excited about their church, excited about ministry, I get excited too. Here's the last, the last thing I want to share with you. You can do, you and I can do, and we should do, whenever we're trying to rekindle our passion. Number four, I recapture the reason I loved God in the first place. I have to remember, I go back and think about, why did I love God in the first place? Sometimes I just need to remember that. It says here in Revelation, and, and, and talking about the, the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2, and he says, you know, you work hard and I see your perseverance, but I got something I got to tell you, I notice. You've lost your first love. He says, then he says, remember in verse 5 here, remember how you once loved me? Love me again as you did at first. I think about the best marriages that I'm around. The best marriages have seasons like any other couple where their passion, and here we're coming up on Valentine's Day, you know, and husbands are, some husbands are scrambling to figure out what they're going to do for, for their wives on uh, Valentine's Day. And uh, that's a whole other lesson, huh? <laughs> but it's the idea that, that you know, as, as uh, couples, they, they're like any couple, we go through these highs and lows. Our passion sometimes is just burning hot and sometimes it's a, just a smoldering. It's just not as intense. And that's how passion does. It moves up and down. But I noticed something. The best marriages, though they experience the same seasons of any marriage, they also have learned to last because they have found ways to fall in love with each other again again and again. You know, we get busy. We, we, we get distant. We don't think of one another like we should. We get caught up in something else. And so what do we do? You know, there's times you ever looked at your wife or your husband and go, that's them. I married them. And you look at them long enough, do I really know them? All these weird thoughts, you know. And I, there's times I, you know, Denise and I will grow apart and we have to do things to grow together again. Times we're not as affectionate, and we we need to be more affectionate, more more uh, sensitive. We 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 neglect things, and then we realize and go, you know, I need to go back. And I notice that a lot of times, even as a marriage counselor, and some of the counseling I've had before, I've had given to me, 
when I've had trouble in my marriage, they said, well, Tim, why don't you go back and do what you did when you were dating? And what was that? Don't you remember what you did when you were dating? Oh, yeah, we spent a lot of time together. We talked about everything. Yeah. Do you do that anymore? No. And, you know, I found that when I go back to the basics, go back to the roots of our relationship, it doesn't matter where your marriage is, even how bad it can be. When you get back, if you can fall in love and fall out of love, you can fall right back in love. And it's by going back and discovering, why do I love them? Why did I love them to begin with? And sometimes our love for God, it has its seasons. And when it does, when your passion for God and when my passion for God, when it happens to us, all we need to do is simply go back and recapture the reason that we loved God to begin with. And you know what happens when you do that? You begin to fall in love with God again. That fire begins to grow. That passion begins to stir. It's, and how do I do that specifically? Well, I, what I do is I go to the cross. I just go to the cross. Greater love has no man than lay down his life for his enemies. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. I just think about God's love, his love for you and I, and his love for me. I just simply go to the cross. And you know, when I go to the cross and I just start thinking and meditating on the cross, I fall in love with Jesus all over again. It just revives my passion for him. I get excited once again. Look at this passage in 2 Corinthians as we come to a close here. It says, For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we're absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him. I wasn't at the cross. Want to bet? Yeah, you were. I wasn't on the Lord's mind when he died on the cross. Want to bet? You and I were on his mind. And, and just that idea, just when I start breaking down just how much, again, God loves me, and I start thinking about what he did for me, and I start realizing nobody loves me like Jesus. Nobody will ever love me like Jesus. I got some people that love me dearly, and I do love them. You got granddaughters that hug you, man. It melts your heart. When your wife touches you, it, it, it melts my heart. But nobody, nobody loves me like Jesus Christ. Nobody. And nobody loves you like Jesus Christ. You know why I know that? He loved you and I first before we even loved him. He laid down his life. He laid down his life. He threw himself in front of that bus that was going to hit us. I love this in 1 John. John is the closest friend of Jesus. And if there's anybody who had a passion for, for uh, Jesus, it was John. I mean, he, he followed Jesus right to the cross. And notice what John says here in 1 John 4. So you see, our love for him comes as a result of his loving us first. You want to recapture your love? You want your passion and love for God to grow? Ah, uh, just go back to the reason you fell in love with Him to begin with. Go back to the cross. So this morning, let me ask you a question as we close. What would you see, say? What would you say is the temperature of your love for God? If it's like a fire, 
Is it blazing? Is it smoldering? Is it about to die out? I want you to know the Lord wants to rekindle that fire, that enthusiasm, that zeal. David says this again in Psalm 69, my, my zeal for God and His work burns hot within me. How do you know if you, where your passion is? Is your zeal, your enthusiasm to serve the Lord? Is it hot? Is it burning like this? It can. It can. Just ask God to give you, to rekindle your passion. Listen, if you're a member of Greater Alton Church, we we are going, going to go through it. We're going through it right now, a reset. We're, re, we're reviewing and looking again at the, 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 the deep truths and important truths that this church, we want this church to be. And one of the things we want it to be is a place that's filled with people that love the Lord. That's what God wants. We believe that. Maybe you need to ask God, just start off and say, God, I want to love the Lord. I want to love you. Revive my love. Have you been refueling? What have you been putting in your heart? What's been burning there? The best thing, your heart was made to burn the Word of God. What have you been putting in your heart? The latest headlines? The latest announcement? Some hobby? Some pleasure? It burns fast. The headline gets your attention until the next one. The pleasure lasts as only long, uh, so long until the next pleasure. But the Word of God just keeps feeding and keeps burning. It's designed to live forever. It is eternal. And it will keep you burning. Who are you partnering with right now? Not say who you, you say, who are you hanging out with? Okay, well, is it just somebody that's fun or is it somebody that's not only enjoyable, but encourages your faith. How much, how much of your time is spent with people that really don't love the Lord? You know, think about it. They might have a, re, you know, so what do you do? Oh, God, help me. Reading your word. Find a person that's passionate about you, Father. Help me find that person and start investing time with each other. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I believe that two are better than one because they keep each other warm, keep their love intense. And maybe you simply need to, right now you need to go back to the cross. In fact, maybe you say, well, I don't really have a lot of God to begin with, a lot of love for God to begin with. Well, maybe it starts at the cross. Look at how much God loves you and He calls you to follow Him. And if maybe you're somebody who says, you know, I need, I, I need to really look at my relationship with God. Why not open the Bible up with somebody? Or if you're a Christian, rededicate your life right now. Look at the cross and let it, let it move you. Let it fuel your passion. Let it motivate you to love God. Well, that's it. I just pray that uh, this morning that you'll begin to let God rekindle your love, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Again, your word is so powerful, Lord. It's so encouraging. And Father, I just think about how, how when my passion is and my love for you, my enthusiasm for you is there, it, 
what I, what I do for you doesn't seem to be as heavy. I'm able to do it much longer. I'm able to do it with excitement and happiness and, and joy. And Father, I know that there are times, there are seasons right now that you, that you see in our lives and maybe we're in a, the seasons where our passion is great. And there was a time when our, maybe some of us here, our passion was really intense, but it's kind of, kind of died down. Father, would you rekindle our passion? Rekindle the passion of a young man today that's listening. Rekindle the passion of a mother who's trying to raise her kids to love you. Father, we pray for, for your word, that your word will fuel our faith. Father, we, we want your word to burn like a fire right down to our bones. Father, who should we be seeking out? Who should we make time for? Father, who, who, are, who are we, as, and some of us here listening are passionate people, who are we giving our lives to to raise the temperature of another believer, the, 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 of their faith, their, their enthusiasm, their motivation. And Father, I, we pray that of all the things that motivate us, all the things that remind us of your love, let the cross ever be before us right now. Let us think about it, dwell on it, put ourselves there with John and Mary and that Roman centurion in a crowd and just try to picture in our mind your great love for us, Father. You loved us the most. You still love us the most. And Father, because of that, we want you to know we're drawn and we, we love you for that. Father, we pray that our zeal and our enthusiasm, let it burn hot within each of us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.